Hi, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and a women's cyclical health expert. This podcast is a space where we demystify all of the bad hormone advice we've been given and instead get back down to the foundations. Your dream of regular, pain-free periods, balanced hormones, and vibrant energy is within reach. Join me and other incredible experts here every single Monday for conversations that are sure to be life-changing. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Cyclical Podcast. We have all heard about trauma and unfortunately, I'm sure every single one of us here has experienced trauma and yet very rarely is there a space to truly talk about it and process through all of it. I am so grateful that there seems to be more awareness now that trauma and experiencing, you know, intense traumatic things in our early life and as adults can impact our physical health. While it probably seems really obvious to most of us that, of course, our emotional health and the things we experience would go on to impact our physical health, that's a relatively new concept that science is really willing to finally accept. In my practice over the years, I've definitely seen a connection with women who have gone through a lot of things in their life and the specific health problems that they go on to experience. And While, of course, it's sometimes heavy to talk about trauma and it's not fun to pull up the deep, dark things that we've experienced, as we process through that and create compassion and love and support through it, I do see that so often our physical health conditions start to change as a result of the emotional healing. A couple weeks ago, I released an episode about nervous system regulation, and today's episode really goes even deeper into that concept because... As my guest talks about, it's not just what happened to you, but how it left your nervous system after said event. So she's really a big proponent of it can't always be talked out. And sometimes therapy can't fully get to the root of a traumatic situation and help it leave our body. So yeah, if you can't tell, this is a really powerful episode and I'm really, really grateful to have it on the Cyclical Podcast to bring more awareness to emotional health, trauma and our nervous system and how deeply that does play into hormone health. So it's not like, well, what does this have to do with PCOS? What does this have to do with my thyroid? The answer is kind of everything. My guest on the podcast today is Allie Cates. She is a trauma-trained coach and somatic experience practitioner, and she works with people who, like herself, feel like they've tried almost everything under the sun to work on themselves, to heal their emotional pain, to get through their trauma, but nothing seems to work until they address how trauma is stored in the body. So she's a wealth of wisdom, and I love that she's so vocal in talking about how the emotional things we've experienced and trauma specifically can and does go on to manifest physically into physical health problems. Before we start the interview though, I'm sure so many of you have heard me over the last few weeks talk about my favorite PMS relief solution, Jubilance. In double-blind, placebo-controlled, and peer-reviewed clinical trials, just one month of Jubilance offered significant relief of PMS-related symptoms like anxiety, irritability, sadness, and stress. So Jubilance not only has the science to back it up, but also thousands of women around the world have found relief with Jubilance, and it is such a simple, easy approach to manage PMS, just one pill a day. And to make it easier than ever to get started, you can take $10 off your first order with code cyclical and enjoy free shipping. Don't forget that all orders come with a money back guarantee. So try it for a month. And if it doesn't give you the relief that you deserve, 
Send them an email and get a full refund, no questions asked. You can grab yours with the link in the show notes or go to jubilance.com. Hi, Ali. I'm so, so excited to welcome you to the Cyclical Podcast. How are you today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am doing well today. How are you? I am doing amazing. I'm so glad you're here. And I love that we just started connecting right before we hit record. And already I'm like, this is my type of person. We've already been (laughs) connecting so good. And I'm so excited to learn from you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I know I was just telling you offline that I just, your energy and your presence is so incredible. I like went to your page and I'm like, oh, this is how everyone that's talking about fertility and reproductive health and just hormones and everything. This is how it should feel. So I was like, you are doing a really great job. Oh my gosh. You're so sweet. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And likewise, I love your page. That's why I was so excited to invite you on the podcast because you have a really refreshing perspective when it comes to these kind of like really heavy, deep, even scary topics that impact so many people. Um, Thank you. Yeah. It just makes me wonder more about your story and what have you experienced? And then how did you get to the point where now you're guiding other people how to walk through such big stuff? Yeah. Well, I just appreciate that. That is my goal is to make it more approachable because for me, when I first got into even learning about trauma recovery and nervous system and everything, it felt really clinical and it felt there was a lot of shame and I just wanted to change the narrative around that. So I appreciate that. Um, So this is kind of like my reader's digest version of my story (laughs) um, that I go through. But my husband and I, at the age of 22, my husband and I lose three people within nine and a half months. And these deaths brought up a lot of suppressed childhood trauma specifically that I had shoved down and saved for a rainy day and really numbed out. And I just remember feeling so lost. I was at my lowest point having suicidal ideation. I had never, ever felt that low and it scared me. Um, And, you know, there's like this specific day where I just felt like out of my body. Like I can't even really describe it, but it felt like my like skin didn't fit anymore. Like I wanted to like crawl out. And people that have, you know, been through trauma, they're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. It's like you just kind of want to like it just you feel itchy almost like you're like something needs to change and it's because your nervous system is so revved up. Um, so I was having that feeling. And I remember just telling my husband who was my boyfriend then being like, we need to get out of the house. And I had called someone in town that they had a sign and it said, you know, trauma recovery. And I was like, maybe this is what I have. Right. I, at that time thought that trauma, you had to have gone to war or been raped. And Mm -hmm. even though I was raped at 15 and, um, lost my virginity that way, like I still didn't classify that as trauma. I was like, oh, this happens to most people, which is, you know, that's a whole nother topic. But so I called this gentleman and I remember just stopping at a park because he called me back and he said, Hey Ali, like, tell me what's going on. And I just cried. Like I couldn't hold it in. I was just crying and crying. And I'm like this, it feels like everything that I've shoved down is coming up. And I don't know if I have trauma and my body feels awful. And like, I don't know what's going on. And he's like, you're not going to believe me, but 
you know, I've been working with specific, um, with veterans specifically for 40 years and I, you know, got into working with civilians, but it, you're experiencing trauma and you're experiencing the after effects of like developmental trauma. And I was like, there's no way. He's like, I know you're not going to believe that. Right. So I went into like three and a half years of really intense trauma recovery. Um, and it changed my life. It saved me because before that, when these deaths happened, I had tried everything kind of under the sun for mental health. You know, people were like, try cognitive behavioral therapy, which is CBT, try talk therapy, try EMDR, try neuroplasticity, try hypnotherapy, you know, try ketamine, all these things. Like I kept on like checking everything off on the metaphorical checkbox. And I still felt like my body was just holding on to so much. And so that's when I started working with him, doing, you know, somatic work and myofascial release, et cetera, and really getting the trauma out of my body was when I finally was like, oh my gosh, I feel freer. I feel like my body actually can relax and it's not in fight or flight. And there's not this metaphorical tiger chasing me. So this is actually my long version and I'm just going to keep going with it. I said this was my it's Reader's so Digest version, yes. but I'm just going to keep going with my long version. Um, so fast forward like three and a half years, I'm in intense trauma recovery and it's three weeks before my husband and I get married and I am diagnosed with late stage chronic Lyme and like five other autoimmune conditions. And I knew enough at this point to know how trauma sits in the body and that if it's not processed, it's going to show up in either, you know, IBS, autoimmune disease, or cancer. Like that's just how our body, when we are running on that many hormones, is something's going to happen. And mine was like a really big kind of crisis moment. So we get home from our honeymoon. I sit in an IV room for nine and a half months. Um, three to four times a week, six to eight hours a day. I have a port put in my chest. I'm like getting sicker and sicker. And it was in that IV room that I'm like, I have to figure this out. I need to dive in even deeper. I need to learn more about the nervous system and somatics. And it's really in that IV room, my coaching practice was born. So that's my long version of how I got into this. I never thought that I would be in this space. I literally went to college to be the next Aaron Andrews, which is like the cute blonde on the side of the football field, you know, interviewing the <laughs> footballers. Like I was like, that's my vibe. That's what I'm going to do. And life just really brought me to this point and I couldn't ignore what was being put on my heart and showing up in this capacity. I have like tears in my eyes. I have chills oh. all over my body. Like what a powerful story. Um, Thank you. I mean, it's just, it's kind of overwhelming to even hear that and just makes me so, so amazed that you have truly taken your own experiences, done so much of your own inner work, and that now you really are like so, so perfect for the work that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Mm. <laughs> I got a ground for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm also glad that in sharing your story, you also kind of took away a lot of the stigma that comes with trauma, um, even PTSD. Like you said, people for a long time have had the misconception that unless you went to war and like someone literally shot at you, like how can you have PTSD or like how can you be struggling with an event that maybe someone else would think doesn't sound like a big deal? Right. Um, 
you know, people say words like big T and little T trauma. What does Mm -hmm. that look like for most people? I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this today can think of something in their life that they associate as trauma. Yeah. You know, the thing about trauma, like it's a really big buzzword. If you're on TikTok and you're like in the healing era TikTok, like it's going to come up a lot. (laughs) I feel like it can get overwhelming really fast. But the thing is, is that trauma is anything that left your nervous system in a space of fight or flight longer than it would take to outrun a metaphorical tiger. So I like to kind of give this image to people and I know we don't have the video, so I'm going to kind of try to explain what happens because I think this is important before we dive into like what little T and big T traumas are. But I want you to imagine that there's like a circle. Okay. So at the top of the circle, there's the trigger, right? And then you go into fight or flight. And then at the bottom of the circle, there's what's called a discharge. And then you go into rest and digest, which this is really hot topic right now. Everyone's talking about parasympathetic, how to get in it, doing different techniques before you go to bed, et cetera. And what happens with most of us, because we're not taught how to discharge our emotional pain, is we quickly go from being triggered to fight or flight and then triggered to fight or flight and then triggered to fight or flight. And we never complete what's called this stress cycle. Mm -hmm. So we never actually discharge the pain. And when you keep on going from being triggered to fight or flight, you're going to build what's called an emotional charge. And that emotional charge doesn't just go away. It sits in your body and it sits specifically in your fascia tissue. So this is like when people, you know, go to yoga or they go for a run and then they start crying. It's because you've tapped into the fascia tissue that's holding on to those emotions, right? So this is like an example of this is called the stress cycle. Now for all my like visual learners out there, I always give this visual of how come, you know, when we talk about somatics, we talk about this gentleman named Peter Levine, who he brought this theory to somatic experiencing. He's like, how come animals out in the wild, specifically prey that are being hunted all the time, how come they're not traumatized? How come they are not living in fight or flight? Hmm. And he found that they complete this stress cycle, right? So let's take like a bunny rabbit and a coyote. Whenever I give this example, people are like, oh, I get it. So let's say that you're a bunny rabbit out in the wild. You're like munching along on some grass and you hear a branch break and that's the trigger, right? Like you get alerted. So you look over your right shoulder and you see that there's a coyote stalking you. It's coming to you. So then you go into fight or flight. So you start running away, right? Then you're going to get to a place where you feel safe. You're going to outrun the coyote and you're going to discharge, whether that's through shaking or different things that the, that the animal or you, right, needs to do to discharge. And then you're going to kind of hop away and then you're going to go and take a nap or you're going to calm down. Or you're going to have a moment where your body can actually drop into this parasympathetic place. That doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Our world is not set up that way. We are constantly in this, you know, fight or flight kind of space. We are constantly being bombarded with um, just our hormones being up because there's stress or there's more information. And so we never get to actually get in that place of rest and digest and parasympathetic. And that is where you heal, right? So when we talk about little T and big T traumas, it's not about, it's not just about the event. It's about how it left your body after the event. So, you know, two people can experience the same things, but their bodies can react to it very differently. One person can experience, you know, watch a car accident. 
um, and another person can watch the same car accident and they might have completely different experiences given the state of their nervous system and whether or not their nervous system has the capacity to like complete this full cycle. So interesting. And it makes sense. Like, you know, the same kids can grow up in the same household. One Mm -hmm. may be really, really affected and the rest supposedly, you know, quote or fine that yep. you know, whatever they experienced didn't affect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gabor Monte talks about this. Who's like an incredible, um, he, I think he's an MD. Yeah. That talks about trauma and how it's in the body. And he says, you know, specifically with kids, like growing up in the same home, you have to also look at how is their parents' nervous system when they had that kid or when they're talking to that kid. Right. So your child is going to have a similar patterning in their nervous system as you. And so depending on like, if you, let's say you have three kids and with the first kid, you aren't as stressed out, but the third kid, you're super stressed out. Like that child is then going to have a different experience because they're regulating to your nervous system. So they're like mimicking your nervous system. Which is scary considering most parents are overwhelmed and juggling a million mm-hmm. things. And then the child, like you said, just mimics that. And from the beginning, I guess, do you feel like some kids like never even get to know what a balanced nervous system feels like? They're always 1000%. Yeah. 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's how you have, I mean, I think it's right now and totally correct me on this because you would know more, but I I feel like I saw a stat that said 65% of Americans have some type of autoimmune disease today. Yeah. And it's on the rise, which is even more disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense to me because if kids aren't ever taught how to discharge their anger, right? Like let's just take anger as an emotion, for example, what happened when you were a child in elementary school and you had anger well you were told to go either to the principal's office or to like you were shamed for it right so then that anger you turned inward and then it became sadness and then eventually you have IBS or you have a thyroid condition or you have something that just gets turned inward and then everyone else in that classroom is like oh well I can't show anger because I'm going to get shamed for it and go to the principal's office So we have Mm -hmm. so many individuals today, like myself included, that has to like really work on healthy aggression because anger is a healthy and normal emotion that no one is taught how to work through and it's just suppressed. And then that suppressed emotion comes out some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Especially as kids, we're not learning any of these coping skills. And then we wonder why as adults, people have these massive reactions or like Mm -hmm. you said, just go on to develop these diseases. I feel like though, there's still people that act like that's woo woo to say that like, well, if you have Mm -hmm. trauma, like that, that doesn't mean you're going to have a thyroid issue or that doesn't mean that has anything to do with physical health. But I imagine there are true correlations between the two. Yeah. I mean, there's research on it. Read the body keeps the score, read waking the tiger, listen to Gabor Mate, like do some research. I would say to people that say that, like actually do some research. And if you don't, like, I always feel like the thing that you're hesitant to believe is probably the thing that you need (laughs) to do some work around. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Because 
it's probably your body is like, oh, that doesn't feel good. And there's a reason why it doesn't feel good because it's activating something in your nervous system that's like, oh, that doesn't uh, like if there's anger around it. Like usually when I tell people that and they get angry, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe do some research for yourself around it so that you can see like what the actual statistics are. Yeah. Yeah. More than anger though, too. I think I noticed people are just like, I don't, it's like they are maybe not fully even registering it. They're just like, oh, I don't really believe that. Like they, it's brushed off maybe is the emotion, mm-hmm. but maybe that's protective mm-hmm. because again, they know, oh, there's a lot buried in there and I don't even want to touch it. Yeah. I mean, that's like getting into nervous system stuff. There's like fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, right? Mm-hmm. So fight, we're either like physically fighting or fighting with our words, which was me. Like, I don't know if you watch Yellowstone, but I'm like Beth <laughs> Dutton, literally Beth <laughs> Dutton before I got any help with my nervous system and anything. And it, she still comes out, unfortunately. But um, there's flight, which is where we're like running away from things, either in our head, like disassociation, right? There's freeze, which also has some disassociation in it. You're just frozen. You're not saying anything. And then there's fawn, which is you actually go into people pleaser mode or they can, people call it a pease. And you start people pleasing when you're stressed out. So when someone comes to me and they're like, I don't believe that. I'm like, okay, well maybe that's just you're in a stress response to what I'm saying. And it's actually your body's like not ready to hold that truth or that understanding yet. Right. And this does feel a little bit woo woo, but it's when you do the work on your nervous system and healing, you will feel that you're like, oh yeah, when you feel like you're not in fight or flight anymore, it just, it feels different. Like you can actually see what's around you. You're not running away from the metaphorical tiger. And I was listening to actually one of your podcasts, I think it was like maybe two weeks ago about how to know when you're in stress. Mm -hmm. And you said this, you were like, you know, there's, um, your body will run on stress and you will like it until at one point it, it's going to stop working for you. Yep. And I, you know, most people I think just are like, Oh, well I, this was me. I was like, Oh, well I do better under stress. Give Mm -hmm. me a timeline (laughs) and give me a date. And like, I thrive. Right. And I think that's where people get kind of scared. I know I did is I'm like, Oh, well if I work on this part of it, right. Of my healing, Maybe I'm never going to be able to do that. Maybe I'm never going to be able to work on a timeline. And then it scares you and then you don't do the work. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but that may be why some people are apprehensive because it is like their identity. Yeah. And also it's kept them alive, right? It has kept them moving forward. If someone is hyperactive and never wants to slow down and feel, that is the thing that's kept them alive up until this point. And so I always tell people, it's like, there's no shame around that if that's you and you need to always have a project and you can't sit down and you feel worthless for taking an hour to watch a TV show. Like that has kept you alive up until this point. That's permission. I'm sure many of us (laughs) need to hear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kept us alive. I feel like that's a powerful thing to remember. Yep. Yeah. So when it comes to trauma or the things that have activated us in our lives, does that mean, I guess I'm trying to understand with PTSD, if you've experienced trauma, does that mean you have PTSD? That is a 
case by case kind of thing, right? There's PTSD, there's complex PTSD as well. Um, and it's really a nervous system thing, right? Like, so that's more of a case by case situation is how, how much is your nervous system resonating with what's happened? Right. Mm -hmm. So when you have years of staying in fight or flight, you're going to have PTSD. I see. Okay. For the most part. And then there's complex PTSD, which is where you have like these kind of more like, I wouldn't say little T traumas, but these smaller things and you're staying in fight or flight longer. So you see a lot of people with um, developmental trauma have complex or CPTSD. Okay. And I imagine there's like symptoms of that, like common things you see when someone's experiencing that. What does that look like? Yeah, it's a big one is sleep. So either waking up and like having night terrors, um, not being able to go to sleep, having insomnia, um, addiction. Let's see what's other big ones. And that doesn't always have to be with substances. It can be like a phone addiction or an eating Um, what else is a big one? I would say like, those are the really big ones that you see. You see like food and sleep and you see, yeah, the sleep and food are like the big one and just addiction kind of addict tendencies because you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to actually discharge, right? So when we talk about addiction, when we talk about overeating or undereating or binging or anything like that, you're actually trying your body's brilliant right like our bodies are so brilliant and so what it's trying to do when you have these things is it's actually trying to get that discharge at the bottom of the circle right mm-hmm. so it's like we're reaching for the food to try to feel that discharge we are you know not we're restricting to t- try and feel this discharge we are maybe purging to try and feel this discharge or um we're numbing out by watching hours and hours of Netflix or to like try and get this discharge because not a lot of people have actually learned how to discharge the pain. Yeah, that's so big. And probably everyone listening right now is like, okay, so how do you discharge it? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways. I would say like a big one just kind of starting out is just letting your body know that you're not in fight or flight. Like I was doing this this morning. I was kind of running around and I was a little bit late and I'm like, okay, Ali, just take 10 seconds right now and look around the room. So this isn't necessarily discharging. It's just allowing your nervous system to know that you're not in fight or flight. So we call it scanning. And so what you would do is you would like slowly turn your head to the left and you would just look at things that you're seeing. So like right now I see the podcast room that I'm in. I'm in. There's some tiles on the wall. I see like my phone or my uh, computer charger. I see my Stanley cup, my computer. And then I'll look to the right. Like I see my kombucha. I see the microphone. I see the door. And just actually letting your head turn all the way to the right and to the left. Because when you're in fight or flight, you have tunnel vision. You can't see to the right or the left of you. So when people are like, oh, well, how do you discharge it? I'm like, well, Working with a coach or a practitioner is ideal because they can help you move through it so that you don't get stuck and then re-traumatize yourself and and feel Mm this. Um, But there are tools that you can use just kind of day to day. One of them is like the scanning technique. 
Another one is when you're feeling anger is like to go and push up against a wall so you can feel the pressure and actually like feel the charge that happens in your body when you're pushing on a wall, right? A wall is like pretty sturdy. So it's not going anywhere when you push on it, but really pushing up against the wall and feeling what's happening in your body. And when you're releasing trauma, you want three things. When you're releasing trauma out of the body, you want three things. You want breath, you want sound, and you want some type of movement. So if you're pushing up against the wall and you have anger, which is, you know, you have healthy anger coming online, you want to push up against the wall, you want to be breathing through this, and you want to release some kind of sound. Because most of us like just get silent when we get, you know, overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. We just kind of fall apart. So you want to actually release that sound that should have happened when you were in a space of fight or flight, however many years ago, and it's coming out now, right? So it's like if that bunny rabbit never discharged that pain after the coyote chased it, it would just hold on to it and it would come out maybe a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And it would be like, oh my gosh, but this happened 20 years ago. And so that's why you want to like bring the sound out as well. It's so, I hope that makes sense. It does. And yeah. it's it's fascinating because, it, you know, it just makes sense why a lot of the stuff gets held in people for so long because there's not a huge focus on somatic practices and like moving energy. And also I feel like most of us feel uncomfortable making like sounds or, you know, so many people, yes. I think myself included, we get caught up in this story of like, well, that's weird. Or like, I look yes. silly. And yep. unfortunately, this is the stuff that moves that out of our body. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. Like if you see a little kid throwing a temper tantrum, what are they doing? <laughs> they're definitely not worrying what anyone else thinks. <laughs> they're like screaming. Yeah. They're throwing their hands around. They're falling on the floor. Like they're having a an appropriate emotional reaction to them not being able to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. But then you know, society's like, that's weird. Don't let your kid have an emotional reaction. And I'm not here to like give parenting tips at all, but I'm here to say that like when I'm working one-on-one with a client, you know, whether virtually or in person and I'm like, okay, let's, let's move through this. Let's work through this. And they're having a big emotional reaction. Hands down. The thing that they always say when they're in the middle of it is like, this is wrong. Like not this is wrong, but they'll be like, I feel weird. I feel Mm -hmm. like this is wrong that I'm having this big of an emotion. I feel silly. I feel um, strange. This seems crazy, like that I feel this much emotion right now. And I'm like, right, because it's old pain that never got released. So it doesn't fit anymore, right? That's the thing about trauma is it's like it's your past that's coming into the present and then it's contaminating the present. So you're still moving through life with this like backpack of pain and we have to like take off the backpack, look at the backpack, pull some books out, read the books, you know, discharge the books and then move on so that your nervous system feels lighter. Yeah. And that's, that's scary though. So it makes sense why for a lot of us, we're like, it's fine. The backpack weighs 800 pounds, but it's fine. Mm. I'll just keep, I'll just keep dragging it along. Yeah. I mean, the other kind of way that I describe this people too is like, it's, everyone says that it's scary, but what I find is what's scarier is actually living 
the way that you're living. Mm-hmm. Like being so stressed out and knowing that your health is like around the corner might have a crisis or you're currently in a health crisis or, you know, having all of this stress, like that to me is scarier once you learn and understand the effects of stress and trauma and holding onto emotional pain. Like once you know that, you're like, actually, that's more terrifying to me. That's true. I'm glad you said that because I guess culturally we think it's scary to touch that deep stuff. But yeah, what's scarier is literally becoming ill because you don't want to touch it. Right. Right. I've had clients that, you know, I had a client that had, um, I always get this one wrong, but I think it's, uh, is it colitis with your stomach or Crohn's? She had Crohn's Okay. and she would restrict you know, her food, trying to get that discharge. She was a binge eater and purged and she was trying to get pregnant and all this stuff. And she had done everything. She had done holistic. She'd done medical doctors, all of it. And we worked together for about four months and she got pregnant two months later. And she was like, and she got her period back a month after working together. And there was some like, you know, trauma sexually there And when we kind of moved this out, she's like, I got my period back and it's consistent. And oh my goodness, like I've tried everything, you know, she's like, this is the last piece that I haven't done. And I really need to address this. And then, yeah, she got pregnant two months later and now she's in her second trimester and like has a healthy baby and everything. That's incredible. That's why I was so excited to talk to you today because this is something that honestly I feel like affects all of us in some, mm-hmm. you know, one way or another. Um, and it's a piece that's so often left out probably though, because for a lot of us, we just don't even know where to start. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think too, is like, especially for the population that you serve, right? It's everything is so like sterile, like, I don't know how to put it in words, but everything's so like medical, I want to say like medicalized, like it's so pathologized, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you have this. Oh, you have infertility. Oh, you have this. Oh, this is what you need to do. Oh, you have that. And then, you know, when you go into a doctor's office, I've known this from personal experience, they're never like, how's your mental health? What are you doing for it? And if they are, they're like, okay, how's your mental health? Okay, here's some pills to work with your mental Mm -hmm. health, right? right? They're never like, Let's address your body. And oh, wow, you're having seizures. Like, huh, what's going on there? Oh, you have endometriosis. Like this is me. I'm talking about my own story, right? Oh, you have endometriosis. Never asked about sexual trauma, which is like, I believe the statistic right now for endometriosis is um, one of seven of people, one of seven women that are diagnosed with endometriosis, or it's actually higher, have been either raped, molested, or sexually abused in some capacity. Like no wonder that they're having endometriosis and having problems. Yeah. Especially like you said, with a disease where it's directly impacting your reproductive system, the pain it's, it's like, yeah, the physical manifestation probably of just that deep betrayal and pain. It makes so Mm -hmm. much sense. Yeah. Yeah, I was diagnosed with endo. That was like my last diagnosis and had an incredible life-changing surgery and have been like, I don't have it anymore. Like symptom pain-free people, like you can't not have endo. I'm like, okay, well, 
I can show you my lab work. I can show you my tests. I can show you my scans. Um, and I think a really big piece of that is like actually because one, I had an incredible surgeon. Um, and two was that I've worked a lot around that piece of my healing around the sexual abuse and trauma. Um, like a lot, a lot. Yeah. I'm sure just when you approach it from both sides like that, you're going to see a night and day difference. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So fascinating. I wanted to read something that you had shared on your stories. It was a repost from the holistic psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, really stood out to me and I want to hear more of your thoughts on this, but she said, the body releases adrenaline, cortisol, and glucose into the bloodstream in order to survive because all energy is going towards escaping danger. Digestion mm-hmm. suffers, sex hormone production is turned off, and growth hormones aren't produced. The body is in survival mode. For those yep. who've had chronic nervous system dysregulation in childhood, aka childhood trauma, there is also stunted development emotionally because survival is the sole focus. In fight or flight, the immune system isn't able to fully function, making us vulnerable to disease like gut issues, IBS being very common, like you said, mood disorders from high blood sugar levels. And as you leave survival mode, the body is going to withdraw from cortisol, insulin, and adrenaline spikes. The brain is going to need massive amounts of energy to create new neural pathways. Amen. Say it louder like, for so the people good. in the back. Yeah. <laughs> so I, when I was going through your account and you reshared that, I was like, whoa, that is like. Yeah. Very I well mean, said. that's what we talk about in, you know, I'm right now doing the somatic experiencing practitioners training through Peter Levine, who like brought that information to the psychology mm-hmm. trauma recovery world. Um, and they talk about that, right? It's like, think about it. If you're running, you're outrunning something. And it doesn't like our bodies don't know the difference between outrunning a tiger and outrunning someone that is either abusing us emotionally, physically, sexually. Like we, our body does not know the difference. So if you're running and you never look back and see that that thing isn't chasing you anymore and you're just in fight or flight, of course you're going to have hormones that are spiked. And if they're spiked for too long, then you get, you do get stuck. You get emotionally stunted because you're just, trying to survive. Like there's this other quote around that, you know, people in your age range that didn't have to deal with life altering trauma, they are going, it's going to feel like you're behind in life Mm. because while they're, you know, having maybe success in their career or they're having, I don't know, children and they're getting married or they're, they're doing things that you want right now in your life. It feels like you're you're stunted. It feels like you're like, what the heck? Why can't I achieve these things that these people are doing? And I know from my own personal healing experience and journey is that it's because I had to work through that emotional pain and that charge in my body and actually release it because it was the thing that was holding me back because my body was just holding on to so much. Yeah. And it felt comfortable to hold on to it, right? It was like a safety blanket. Right. It's familiar. It's what yes. you've known. Yeah. yeah. Kept me alive. Literally kept me alive during that awful time in my childhood. And I didn't know any different. Like, how do you release this? How do you not run on cortisol? How do you 
regulate your nervous system. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah. Can you share, I guess, maybe some different foundational things that you wish everyone knew um, for both, like, say, like you said, you just, you, you and your partner had a big argument and you feel super triggered because it's pulling up stuff from childhood. You know, what are uh -huh. safe things that you can add in there versus things that we, any of us could do on a day we're feeling good and still want to bring support to our nervous system? Mm. That's like a loaded question. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Um, it's like, like you said, ideally, if we are really resonating with this episode, mm -hmm. getting that professional support, I know is just imperative, but give us a couple breadcrumbs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing is that if you have childhood trauma in your past, like and you're working on it, it's going to trigger your partner because it's going to bring up their stuff, right? It's like, you can't be in a relationship with someone without your stuff. We call it like pinging. It's called like going back, like your nervous system's actually talking to each other, right? So when you are activated or triggered or they say something or they do something, your past is going to be brought into the present and then you're going to reenact it. So it's called reenactment, okay? And we talk about this specifically with like veterans and PTSD, but it happens a lot with us. It's like, oh my goodness, my husband said something and now I'm now I'm triggered from the past and I think that he's this person in my past. And we don't cognitively know this when it's happening, right? We might not even know this after we've come down from the, the trigger and the hormones and everything that are going wild. But that's what's happening is your past is being brought into your present and then you're reenacting. So an example of this that I can give is like, I have so much uh, pain around abandonment in my life, like so, so, so much pain. And so if my husband is like busy and I'm like talking to him, right? And he's like really busy and he's not really paying attention, then I might get triggered. And then that brings my pain from the past right into the present. And it happens in a split second. Okay. So then I'm like reenacting and thinking that Ryan is this person from my past when he's not, he's just like busy and he's in grad school. And so he's doing his thing, right? Like very different. So when this is happening though, the thing that is the hardest to remember and everyone's different here, right? Like I know what my typical fight or flight response is, is I want to flight. Like I want to leave the situation, but I was told in my childhood, you can't leave. So I freeze. And then when I freeze for too long, then I will fight with my words. Okay. So that's my pattern. And I know that everyone's different here, but something that's been really like helpful for me is to just walk away, like, and actually give myself and my body, the, the permission that I can walk away and nothing bad's going to happen. Right. But that's mm -hmm. also something that Ryan and I have worked on. That's something that we have gotten help for. Like, this is not just, oh, we know this. And so we do this all the time. And this is going to look different for everyone. But for me as like, um, you know, fellow Beth Duttoner, like something that I have to really give myself permission is okay, you need to walk away right now and everything's going to be fine. He's not going to be mad at you for walking away and you need a reset, right? 
So when I'm working with clients, this happens and they'll be like, oh, I feel so bad because I walked away. I'm like, no, you actually let your body do what it needed to do a long time ago, which is to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you're completing these, we call them cycles, right? That like stress cycle, go back to that circle that I described. Like we're completing these cycles even in everyday life. So, and obviously it's like you have to have a really healthy communication with your partner and relationship. But I would say if you don't have healthy communication with your partner or you don't have a healthy relationship right now, I would say, you know, getting support around that is huge. Um, because there's so many miscommunications around like what's happening and why people are responding the way that they are because of their past, right? Um, I would say another thing when you are triggered or you're activated, this is once again, when someone's really triggered and they're activated, your thinking brain goes offline. So that's why I'm like, this is hard to kind of give like breadcrumbs, but Mm -hmm. Another thing is like really listening to your body. So if your heart's racing and you feel your like hands clenching and you just want to like attack with your words, like try to have a tool that you can lean on, right? Which is like maybe your husband says a safe word, which is they say a safe word and it's like, okay, we're going to both go our own ways and talk about this later. Um, that can be really helpful. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is our word. I don't know. Maybe it's like yellow and you're like, okay, yellow or whatever the word is. Maybe it's banana. I don't know. Or orange or something. And you say that and then you're like, okay, I can't think right now, but I know that that word has a meaning that means that I can leave the situation and, and I need to go and step out of the room or I need to go for a walk or I need to call my coach or call my therapist or do different tools for nervous system regulation. Mm-hmm. I think that's something every relationship should consider adding in just so that you can, like you said, have that space to get back into your conscious mind so that you can even have a conversation. Yeah. And that's the thing. Exactly. Like that's the thing that was one of the hardest things for me to learn is that I like when you get triggered, you think you're rational. which is just wild. Like you're like, I'm so rational. Like you're like, no, I know what I know. Like you, I don't know if you get this way, but you're like, no, 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 no. You're wrong. And this is actually the feelings that I've been wanting to say for so long. Right. You get so like you have so much affirmation that your anger is like actually the thing (laughs) that needed to be said like years ago. And you're like, right. It did need to be said years ago, but not to this person right? Mm. It might have needed to be Mm. said to a sibling or a parent or a colleague or a friend or an acquaintance or a stranger, but you feel so affirmed that your anger is and your words are accurate. And if you feel that way, like that's a great telltale sign that you are really triggered and you need to like walk away. Yeah. I think everyone can resonate. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. When we're like, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's a good reminder that that's a pretty good sign that, yeah, you're operating out of that sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And it feels good. Like when you are actually really 
activated. It feels good to say those words because you never got to say them when the thing was happening in the past. Right. Wow. So it feels so good. You're like, yes, I'm finally saying it. It's like, okay, go in the other room and say it to the wall. But like, that's where you have like ruptures and repairs in life. Right. And so when you cause a rupture like that in your relationship, like you have to work on repairing it. So that's why, you know, having support, finding a coach or a therapist or someone that can help you to be able to communicate that way is, is really, really, really important. So huge. Well, and what about the somatic piece? Because I think a lot of people and myself included, you know, therapy is something very, very important to me in my life, but it's just talk therapy, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's never anything body based. Yeah. Are there any simple movements kind of exercises that are really helpful too? Yeah. I mean, so talk therapy is a top-down approach is what we call it, right? So you're bringing the brain online first and that's where you're kind of staying. And if anyone has trauma, they have to work with a bottom-up approach, meaning that you're bringing the body online first and then you might have conversations around like what's going on cognitively. But if you have any sort of trauma in your body, it can't be out talked because I always say to people like if we could out talk our trauma we would all be healed and yeah. like we would be fine and our nervous systems would be like able to regulate themselves when like we're super anxious and sad right like we would have more regulation um so I always tell people that and that was like a big moment for me in my own healing journey is like I needed to address the body piece of it um I would say like it's harder there's a lot of like, what's it called? Stuff going around on social media, like, oh, do this hip opener or, you know, um, try this exercise for releasing trauma. And I really like love that because I re- I love it and I don't love it. One is because if you really have trauma in your body, there's going to be a point where panic is going to hit And you need to have a practitioner that can help you get out of that panic so you're not just re-traumatizing yourself. Mm, So I don't love giving out like tools like that to people um, without having some sort of understanding of what's going on in their nervous system. But I mean, there are like hip shaking, like TRE. um, There's like hip openers that you can look up on TikTok. But I just always caution people that if you're going to do those exercises – to either just know that like you might go into panic um, and that that's that's common in that it's helpful when you have a practitioner that can help you work through that instead of like stay in that panic. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. Like you said, so it makes this like information on TikTok or Instagram kind of like a double-edged sword. It may be helpful, but it also could be damaging. Yep. And that's the thing is like so many people are like, oh, well, I just want support and I want it quick and I want it fast and I want it right now, right? And it's like, it's like building muscle. It's, we're going to the emotional health gym and most people come in, they're like, I want to lift 25 pounds and put on 25 pounds of muscle tomorrow. And I'm like, well, it's going to take some time. Like <laughs> we, you can't lift one pound yet and you're not eating enough protein. So we got to like start over. We got to have a little reset. Um, 
So that's why I always just tell people like if you do have, you know, specifically, I would just say any trauma, but like really childhood trauma, sexual trauma, like highly recommend you work with a practitioner because it can really scare you. Um, if you start doing that on your own and like memories start coming up and then you start going into panic and, um, I would just recommend working with someone. Okay. Fair. That's very, very good advice. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard too. Cause like we have so much information on our hands that I'm like, Oh, this is great. Like we have a way to disperse this information. That's usually just been, you know, like only the experts have it. Right. But then it can also not be helpful because, you know, when you're in panic mode and your body's in panic, it can feel really scary. If you've never addressed anger before and then you do one of these exercises and anger is coming up really prominently, you're going to be like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. What's happening? And you're going to go into like severe panic mode. So yeah, that's why I say that. Yeah, there's just a million different things I could continue to ask you. This is so fascinating to me, and it just shows how common it is to experience trauma and to feel that activation cycle, um, mm -hmm. but also illuminates how, for many of us, we've never known how to get out of the loop. And it feels so empowering to know that there are things you can do to regulate, to come back into balance, even if we've never known what balance feels like. Maybe we've never, yes. never even known what that feels like. But if someone's listening to this, they know they have some stuff from childhood that are st still impacting them. They know that they're maybe not completing that cycle like you talked about, where they're just kind of staying in that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person who is ready for something different, but maybe just still feels like, but could this really work for me? Or could I really feel freed of some of these experiences? Yeah, I would tell them, and I have a neon sign in my office because of this, is I would tell them it's okay to not be okay. Mm. Like it's okay that you're scared and that you don't feel great and you're worried about what might come up or there's shame there or concern, like it's okay to not be okay. And that it's going to pass like this, this will pass. Um, and that you're really strong and you've made it this far and you've lived this way because you've, you've had to like this, the way you've been living your life has kept you alive. And it's also okay to want more and to have more freedom. Okay. I'm crying. So <laughs> it's really beautiful. Thanks. Mm. Yeah. 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 I hope everyone listening can feel that in their bones and yeah, know that it's okay to not be okay. I think that's a really, yes. really necessary reminder in a world where it can feel like you need to fix yourself. You need to hurry up mm -hmm. and heal and you need to fix your problems. Yep. Yeah. And then there's yeah. no timeline really you're going with your body right mm -hmm. and our bodies are so incredible and so just taking it on your own timeline yeah yeah it doesn't have to be instagrammable it doesn't have to be pretty. no it's never instagrammable if someone is instagramming them working through trauma i would question that you know like it's not it i'm never throwing up a camera as i'm like having a moment you know like, yeah 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 
<laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people need to remember that. Yeah, there's no – no. I'm not throwing up a camera after Ryan and I've gotten in a fight and we're working through it. I'm not throwing up a camera when I'm mm-hmm. working through another layer of, you know, severe childhood trauma. Like, that's not – that's not the first thing that's coming up. The first thing that's coming up is like, okay, it's okay to not be okay, Allie. Like, this is going to pass. Yeah. It's not yeah. like, this is content. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I, like, question that. I'm like, that's really cute, and I love that you're sharing that, but also not what I would be doing. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah. power to you. Right. I know. We're yeah. not trying to throw shade. <laughs> yeah. Saying, no, no shade, hey. but do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love this conversation. I'm sure everyone listening did as well. So where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love how we connected. Um, I feel like if we, where, where are you in the world? Um, Wyoming. Okay. I was like, if you were in California, I'd be like, we would be able to hang out. But, we'd be um, friends. <laughs> we'd be friends. Um, yes. Everyone can find me on TikTok, Instagram. My website is everythingisallycates.co. So that's A-L-I-K-A-T-E-S dot C-O. So you can DM me. Um, I have a self-paced online course as well, which I would love to give your listeners a code to if you want a code for that. Feel free, yeah. Yeah. What What do you usually do for your code? Uh, just, yeah, maybe do cyclical. Okay. Let's do cyclical 20 and we'll do 20% off of the self-paced course. Love it. Um, yeah. So that's emotional health accelerator. I talk about nervous system, somatics, just give you more information um, there's a couple tools in there, like how I talked about scanning and pushing on the wall as well. Um, so I'll give you guys 20% off on that. And then if you want to work one-on-one, I also have an application on my website. So you guys can find me there. Amazing. Well, thank you for the work you do and for making all this feel accessible and possible to so many of us who have felt like we don't know where to start or where to go or how to even move through it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening and tuning in today. If you love this episode, please tag myself and Allie on Instagram. And otherwise, we will see you next week on the next episode of the Cyclical Podcast. Mm-hmm.